Hello, love bug, and welcome to Chronic Sex, the podcast about how self-love, relationships, sex, and sexuality are affected by chronic illness and disability. Given the subject matter, this podcast is not suitable for those under the age of 18, and unless you have headphones in right now, you probably shouldn't be listening to us at work. My name's Kirsten Schultz, and I'm your host. It's good to have you with us today, wherever you are and whatever you're doing. The episode you're going to hear today was actually recorded back in September of 2016. The next couple were as well. Keep that in mind as you listen, just because there may be giveaways mentioned that have already come and gone. Um, For the sake of getting podcast episodes out and conserving my own energy, I haven't edited those parts out of the next couple of podcasts, simply because if I tried, I would screw it up and I would never get these out on time. Now, let me introduce you to our guest today. Today's guest is my pal, Lena Anderson, who is a writer, an activist, and a wheelchair user dealing with rheumatoid arthritis. She is one of my favorite people because not only is she super supportive of her pals, but she is also one of the reasons that chronic sex is even a thing, not just because of how much she has promoted chronic sex, but also because she kind of inspired it to happen in the first place. You'll hear about that about halfway in-ish, I think. I lost track of time. Regardless, here is my fun conversation with Lena. Hi, Lena. It is so good to have you on the show today. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. And thanks so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this. Well, I just freaking love you. So, (laughs) you know, it's always fun to talk. For Our listeners who may not know who you are, which I'm sure there aren't many because you're kind of a big deal, Um, (laughs) at least to me, Um, if you could kind of introduce yourself a little bit, that would be awesome. Okay, I'll do my best. Um, I was originally born in Denmark and lived there until I was about 20 years old, and then I moved to Toronto, Canada, where I still live. Uh, I've had juvenile arthritis since I was four years old and grew up in a time when uh, there were no treatments. And that meant that by 16, I had bilateral hip replacements and a power wheelchair that I still use. Well, a different chair by now, but but I still use a power chair. Um, And telling you about, you know, the last 50 years is a really long story, so I'll uh, limit it to just the last decade or so, um, in 2004, I had a really big flare that brought me close to, well, it brought me all the way into a really dark place and where I kind of promised myself that if I didn't find a solution fairly quickly, I would it would be okay to, to kill myself. But luckily, I got funding for a biologic that worked brilliantly. And... I sort of saw it as getting back my life, and when you get that kind of gift, 
um, I wanted to to honor the gift by doing something with my life. And one of the things I did was um, start working on fulfilling my lifelong dream of being a writer. So I started my blog, The Seated View, and that eventually led to me becoming the community leader for Health Central's Rheumatoid Arthritis page. And I wrote a book um, about living well with arthritis. But it was more than that. So, so the writing thing happened, but more than that, um, I also became very involved in health advocacy. I've been a bit of a rebel for much of my <laughs> life and have always channeled that into advocacy. I have a master's in social work, so I became a sort of professional change agent. But after that big flare, I really wanted to use my decades of living with this disease for something good. Um, so I, I tried to... I try to help others who live with chronic illness, rheumatoid arthritis, and disability to oh, become empowered to take control of their life, their life, um, and and finding a way to navigate um, a life that can often have a lot of challenges, but can also be very joyful. So, so I that's sort that. of the, the short version. I love that about you. I um, One of my favorite things is just that you are such a great photographer. And so it's so fun to see kind of these little moments of joy and these little, it, it's it's almost just like snapshots of, of kind of light coming through um, some of the dark places or some of the dark things we've been through. And I think that that really sums up a lot of the work that you have done is, um, you know, you are kind of just this sweet little light that comes through and, um, you know, really enacts some great change. And um, it, it's just awesome. You're awesome. And, you know, one of the Thank you. one of my favorite things, too, is that we actually got to meet in person finally <laughs> this year. Yeah, that was really awesome. Yeah, we uh, we both went to the uh, self care catalyst little um, kind of mini conference that was in the evening in in June um, in Toronto, and my first international voyage. So that was fun. Was it really? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad going you came through here. customs. <laughs> it customs was. agents loved me, so it was fun. <laughs> It was it was great to see you in person. We've been talking so much online, and and being able to actually see you in person was fantastic. I know it it just brings like this whole different level, I think, to a relationship, doesn't it? Like, yeah, absolutely. It, it's one thing to be like buddies online and stuff, but when you actually get to see the person in person, it's just I don't know. Yeah, it it, it adds it makes, another dimension. Exactly, yeah. I'm sure part of it is like it removes the tiny little fraction that that everybody has of doubt of like, I don't know, is this person really a person? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you weren't, you had a really good simulator. <laughs> you know, I, I try. Mm-hmm. I try. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
So <clears throat> sorry, I I have I have to apologize for my voice and my breathing today. My asthma is being tickled by my biologic. Um, so so if I sound short of breath, it's because I am. Uh, <laughs> well, and and you just kind of went through kind of a scary period of being in the ICU and being intubated and all of that fun stuff. So. I know that that has had an effect on your throat too. Um, yeah, I, my my throat seems to be still healing, so I um I get hoarse easier these days. So right now it sounds like I've been doing nothing but drinking whiskey and smoking cigarettes for the last thirty years. <laughs> I intend to make it work for me. <laughs> you know, it works. Yeah, it works. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things that our listeners may not know is that. Chronic sex is actually, in part, kind of inspired by you. Um, You had written a blog post in January of 2012 called Real RA, It's Not Just About the Jar. Mm -hmm. And you talked about the need to have somebody to change the batteries in your vibrator. Yes, I did. And it was just so frank and so upfront. And I don't know, it, it was just one of the best, I think, catalysts for other bloggers that I know who do also talk openly about sex and sexuality and kind of those little things that people who don't live our lives might not think about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, and and I'm I'm glad like you told me this at the self care summit and and it really meant a lot for me to hear that uh, because it, it's always a little nerve wracking to send out something really honest about especially about things that we don't always talk about and sex is one of those things that that it is it is so difficult to open up that conversation and it's and and we'll talk about this a little later about how. It's just not talked about with our doctors either. So, like, where are you going to find this information? And then this thing happened with the batteries, and it was um, it was a really funny story. Um, and and I like making fun of myself online. So, you know, <laughs> um, it, it just it was just one of those things. It was like I have to write about it at some point, and then there was a perfect opportunity for it. It is just, I don't know, I I love the frankness, I love the humor, and it's just so real, right? Mm -hmm. It feels like you are literally sitting right there talking to me about all of this. I'm like, I can can see your hand movements, and I can see, like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, the faces you might be making, and it's just so real, I don't know. That's good to hear. It's one of my favorite, like, pieces of anything on the Internet ever. No, that's awesome. <laughs> so um, I guess that means you want me to tell the story. I mean, it would be kind of awesome if you wouldn't mind. I'll definitely put a link to the, the story in the show notes. So mm-hmm. if people want to peruse and dig deeper, they can. But I would love to hear kind of it from your own voice. Okay. Um, well, it all sort of started with a conversation 
about like little silly annoying things that you can't do with the RA. And for me, my nemesis is batteries. Um, it is really hard to change batteries in all the technology we all have now. Certain things are easier. Luckily, my camera is pretty easy. But other things are really difficult. And the most difficult thing I've ever encountered was a vibrator I used to have. Uh, this was back in my pre-partnered days. Um, and, you know, we all have urges. So I I got myself a vibrator. I went to a really great adult shop um, in Toronto called Come As You Are, um, which is very disability-friendly, so I highly recommend it. They have a great website as well. Um, and, you know, kind of basically giggled my way through a conversation with the um, with the person who was serving me and not serving in that way uh, <laughs> um, about what would be best for me and found out, for instance, that if you're looking for a vibrator, the best way to test whether the intensity is right for you is to hold it uh, against the space between your nose and the top lip. And uh, that will tell you the right intensity for you. So, you know, you learn something new every day. But so I got this vibrator, and it was terrific, um, and um, eventually needed a new battery. And that's kind of where I got stuck, because I couldn't get the damn battery compartment open. And then I started thinking about who could help me, and that's what led to this whole blog post, because I kind of ran through, in my mind, the people I knew, and the first person who came to mind was my mother, because she was helping me out a lot. And and I kind of went, yeah, well, you know, my mom and I are really good friends as well. And and we have the, a, the kind of relationship where we do make the occasional joke about sex, but at the same time, you know, getting my mom to change the battery in my vibrator, it's like, no, I need therapy, right? <laughs> that, that, that just wasn't a good idea. And the next person was my sister, Unfortunately, and, and she was actually a really good candidate um, because we also have a really good relationship, but without that whole mom thing going on. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but she lives pretty far away, and at the time, uh, she would come to town with her kids, who were quite small at the time, for family lunches, and her husband would be with her. And 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 I was just imagining this whole moment of saying, "Okay, so I just have to borrow my sister." for a minute, everyone, don't mind us. We're just going to go over here in private and change the battery in my vibrator <laughs> that I brought with me to a family lunch in my purse. <laughs> so <laughs> so that didn't really work either. Um, and, and then so I, I kept going, going through, okay, who else? Um, I live in uh, an apartment that... Um, that where or an apartment building where certain of the units are accessible and have attendant care associated with them, so uh, they they come and help me with daily tasks of, of living throughout the day uh, several times. So I thought, what about one of my attendants? And and they they quickly, sorry, but day after biologic can't talk. Um, so theoretically, they'd be a good candidate, but in reality, not so much. They mm-hmm. are notoriously incapable of keeping a secret, and mm-hmm. I could just imagine them going back in 
telling all the other staff, male and female, about changing the batteries in my vibrator, which meant that everybody uh, who were working there would know that I have a vibrator, and because it needed battery change that I use it, and I just couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't I couldn't have these people coming into my home and and just having that in the air between us, you know. Yes. <laughs> so so that that was out too. Um, I had a friendly neighbor who helped me with practical tasks, but I thought that kind of went above and beyond um, what a friendly neighbor will do for you. Um, and then I thought of my friends. And the perfect candidate was actually my best friend. But she was a single mother with a full-time job, and we actually spent most of our friendship on the phone at the time because she was just so busy with everything. So that wasn't so good. So I thought, okay, one of my other friends. And that's where I had a problem because most of my friends that I actually saw on a regular basis at the time were men, heterosexual men. And, Mm -hmm. and, and, you will hear people say that men and women can't be friends because the sex is always in the middle. And I completely disagree with that. Um, I don't think that's true at all. I think men and women can absolutely be friends. And I have um, several really good male friends that that proves it. But at the same time, asking one of them to change the battery in my vibrator would solidly put the sex between us. And it was just mm-hmm. like, no, that doesn't work either. So it was. It, this was a whole process where everybody I thought of, no, that doesn't work, that doesn't work, that person doesn't work. And it, it was just, it was quite ridiculous. And I did eventually find somebody who could do it and who would then pretend that it never happened. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> I am glad that you did finally find someone who could help because, mm. you know, yeah, that's yeah. it's sex is an integral part of many of our lives. And mm-hmm. just because we can't open the battery compartment of a vibrator doesn't mean yeah, exactly. <laughs> that we should go without it. Yeah, it, 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 it was one of those things where it's like, oh, this works great. This is fantastic. I love this vibrator. Damn. <laughs> so close and yet so far. <laughs> I know I had one that you really had to to the the battery compartment was at the very end, mm-hmm. like where you would hold it, and you really had to clamp down and turn, and it just oh, sorry. Uh, no, oh. it's <laughs> it was really bad because like you would you would turn it on with a dial that was also on the end. So Mm -hmm. you had to hold the dial to the rest of the battery compartment part very tightly so that you didn't turn it on while you were trying to take Yeah, I've had one of those. Don't have it anymore because it just didn't work. Right, exactly. It's like there's no way. Yeah. There's no way. (laughs) Well, and it's one of those things, like when I first bought my vibrator, I had the staff at the store put in the battery for me but I can't go back every now and again and say hi like I did wash this but could you put a new battery in for me like that just right. doesn't work <laughs> it's not like changing a watch battery you can't just... Ooh, you know what <gasps> that, that would be, be a fantastic idea. I think we just came up with a business idea I think so nobody steal it 
Wouldn't that be great, though? Yes, it would. Oh, it would. It would be, because like, we're not the only ones. Oh, no. And I know a lot of sex shops, they have, they, they, they tend to be disability friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, but why have no, nobody ever thought of this? I guess because um, I know Come As You Are have testers, but oh, I yeah. guess they test the vibrator, but not enough to need to change the battery. Right, probably not. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I think I think we may have to have a conversation not recorded. Discuss the idea, ma'am. Just send it to us. Well, it, with the battery, we'll change it, yeah. and and we'll send it back to you. There we go. Yeah. Uh, we can have some really good cleaners too. I'll clean it extra. Yeah. Uh huh. Send it back with Great. a little bit of sparkly lube or something. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, speaking of lube, I just tried this new lube. I hope this is not too awkward. I mean, we oh, did just talk no. about your vibrator, so. Yeah, really. I think, we, <laughs> I think we have successfully broken the ice. Yay. Mm. <laughs> but um, it's called Silk, mm-hmm. S-Y-L-K. Mm-hmm. And it's made from like this extract of the vine of the New Zealand kiwi plant. So that means it'd be off for me, I think. I'm allergic to kiwis. Oh, no. That would be awkward. Oh, that would not be fun. Yeah, anaphylactic shock in your nether regions. Let's not, let's <laughs> not add swelling to <laughs> that part of oh. Anyway, talk Anyway, talk about silk for those people who might not be allergic. Well, it's it's really interesting because it's um it has more of a texture like something that might be water based is, mm-hmm. um so it's not slimy, mm-hmm. <laughs> not gonna make your partner go ooh yeah <laughs> yeah that's not good You've been through that enough um <laughs> yeah and and the other nice thing is it's not like sticky then after oh, like good. after you apply it anywhere mm-hmm. it just it just kind of dries. Mm-hmm. No, that's really uh, useful. Yes, and they're um, they're doing a lot of outreach to people with chronic illnesses and stuff lately oh. too. Um, they just did a a really good post with the Sjogren's Foundation mm-hmm. oh, um, of America, and and we'll be doing a giveaway with them soon. <laughs> but, but yeah, um, lube is an interesting thing. Because yeah. if you go to the store, well, unless you go to a sex shop where they have more more interesting options, but you know your general store is like, okay, so there's the colored ones, there's the heady ones, there's the, and if you if your partner, <laughs> like if I send my partner to do this and he's standing there looking at it and going, well that wouldn't work, and because like no, we're not gonna we're not gonna do like confetti flavored something, <laughs> or, and and the flavored thing, and it's just. I just want a regular loop. Don't don't put stuff in it. Also because I have fibromyalgia with all sorts of weird sensitivities and allergies, so so you know, you want to be cautious of that when when looking for lube for me anyway. But yeah, it's it's there's this uh word escapes me, um, brain fog moment, but there's all the selection but not a lot of selection when you just want something simple. 
And aside from the Kiwi aspect, this does sound like wonderfully simple and 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 no super bells and whistles except just exactly what you want. Exactly, exactly. The one of the other ones I like that is just water based and it's like vegan and gluten free and like all that stuff, which ends up being important for me. Mm. But mm-hmm. <laughs> the last thing I want is like celiac type rash anyway. But um it's called the the company is called Good Clean Love. Mm-hmm. And um, they're actually based out of the town I grew up in, in Eugene, Oregon. And um, the the one I have from them is called Almost Naked. And so it's just, like, free of parabens, free of a whole bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and aside from kind of having that slightly sticky after mm-hmm. feeling, um, it's pretty good, too. Well, let's no... face it, the, the, the after feeling tends to be slightly sticky anyway. <laughs> it's true. Too much information. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, it's just real talk. <laughs> real talk. <laughs> yeah, see, this is a problem because we know each other so well. This just feels like just us talking, and it is going out there. <laughs> oh, well, never mind. Okay, guys, you've never met us, but <laughs> let's talk about our vaginas. Yeah. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Everything's fine. Yeah. <laughs> well, so since we're talking about sex. Mm. That didn't um, take long. <laughs> you know, just, just no big deal. Um, You know, what? what are some barriers you have noticed, whether they're personal barriers and you don't have to identify them as such if you don't want to, but... um. You know, whether it's personal barriers or barriers you've heard about from people who also have RA or other mobility limitations when it comes to sex. What do you think are kind of the big issues surrounding sex and RA? Well, number one, that rheumatologists don't talk to us about it. Well, doctors don't talk to us about it. I had, when I started methotrexate, can we mention specific yeah, you're not. You don't have yeah. pharmaceutical ads, so never mind. Moving on, um, I started methotrexate, and my rheumatologist at the time was telling me, um, you know, about side effects. We were discussing this and that, and and things like, you know, you take the folic acid, then you may notice this, and and then they kind of turned back to the file and wrote the file. And you could tell that basically things were over for them. It was towards the end of the. Um, of the appointment, and then I asked, because I'd done my research, I always do my research, I asked, so what about birth defects? And I'd never seen a doctor so shocked. (laughs) He turned around and looked at me with this just shock in their face and went, you're sexually active? Oh, my God. Yes, I am. And then we had a conversation about uh, the, the quite significant risk of hideous birth defects that that comes with using methotrexate and what you do to make sure that doesn't that that you don't get pregnant but it it was just it was just such a moment you know it, it was a i think it was partly because sexuality was just not it's it's just not part of those appointments uh, mm-hmm. in so many ways. And I think doctors are just as uncomfortable as we are 
in bringing it in bringing it up. And and then I also think that it had a lot to do with the fact that I use a wheelchair, and a lot of people kind of assume that people who have a disability are not sexual beings. Mm-hmm. And they don't have relationships, and they certainly don't have Noki. Um, so, so it was. An, so, I think that whole obstacle is one of the major ones because I know a lot of people have questions, and a lot of for a lot of people, their RA affects their sex, their sex lives because they're tired, they're in pain, they're afraid of of having more pain. Um, their partners may be afraid to touch them in case it, mm-hmm. it, they end up hurting them. And it just becomes very convoluted and difficult and and really ends up removing something that can be really important, especially when you live with a condition that causes a lot of pain because yeah. you can forget that your nerves are there to also give you pleasure. Mm-hmm. And if all you're feeling is pain, it's it's really shitty. And one of the things that people will be learning about me in this podcast is I don't swear much online, but apparently in real life I have the mouth of a sailor. So um, <laughs> I do both. Yeah, so I think we've got to. I know, but but you know, there's really no other way to describe it is that life with RA can be really shitty. Yeah, and and sex and intimacy. Um. And tenderness can go a long way towards making you feel better and less alone. And and then there's also the the, the fact that when you have an orgasm, all those wonderful endorphins that's in the, that's your body's natural painkillers can do wonders for your pain levels. But if you yeah. don't know that, or you don't know um, which positions to use and what you need to be careful of then you may end up just not doing it. Mm-hmm. And and that just makes you feel more and more like all you all you are is sick. Mm-hmm. And and I think one of my missions and my passion is to help people see that it is life with RA, it's not RA and nothing else. Yep. The emphasis needs to be on the life part. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know if you ever had the chance to um, interact with Laura Kenyon, who wrote Still's Life. Um, she passed away in 2012 due to complications from her immune system issues. But her her kind of tagline and advice that she always gave was, "Life with Still's is still life." Oh, that's good. And I just, it's so poignant, right? Like, it just hits you like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. (laughs) I know. And and I think that's one of the the getting, getting back to the, to the doctors, which, and I don't want to, to put it all on them because I ultimately believe that we are in charge of our own lives and we need to find a way to become empowered so we can take control and, and go get the information we need. But I think part of the problem is that when you see your rheumatologist once every three to six months, you're there for maybe ten minutes. Mm-hmm. And you have no time to cover anything other than how's your <coughs> how's your disease, any how's the meds working, 
and any changes to the meds and and like that. And then you're done and see you another three months. So so there's so so many other issues. And mm-hmm. and I think that's that's why I do the work I do and is why I I I'm writing the Your Life with RA books because I want to give people a place where they can go and ask anything. And yeah. get and hopefully get the answer. It's incredibly important. And I think too, you know, we already those of us with chronic illnesses already have higher rates of depression. Mm-hmm. Um because we're in pain, mm-hmm. because we're dealing with things that other people often can't see or don't understand. Mm-hmm. But isolation just makes it worse. And if you're feeling isolated even by your healthcare team, yeah, that's going to have even more of an impact. Yeah. I um I ran a survey a couple weeks ago to kind of ask about how healthcare providers and patients are interacting about sex. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really interesting. Um, I'm kind of looking at the results right now. And um, 43% of people said that none of their physicians or healthcare providers, nurses, PT, whatever, have talked to them about sex or sexual issues. Oh, absolutely. That was a great survey. I took it. I'm one of the 40, oh. 42%. I love that you took this. <laughs> of course I did. But it's just, and, and even, you know, some of the people that said yes, 30% said it was only because that healthcare provider actually focused on that part of the body. Mm. So, like, maybe you saw a urologist right. and you were like, oh, hey, my bladder, da 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 da. Yeah. So it's, yeah. you know, no, and it's, and it's it, and you know, I really honestly also think that part of it is that doctors are people too, and they are, and and everybody's kind of uncomfortable talking about sex, and like one of the things I do, um, my current doctors are at teaching hospitals, and that means I see a lot of students uh, that are either doing an assessment or, or just part of the, um, of the appointment, and I always turn to them and say, make sure that you talk to your students about sex, or your patients, rather, about mm-hmm. sex. It's important. It they is. need you to open the conversation. They have questions. And I hope some of them will. I really hope so, too. And I think that when we can have those opportunities to be at teaching hospitals and and share that kind of information with you know, future healthcare people, mm-hmm. it really makes an impact. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Britt Johnson, the Hurt Blogger, mm-hmm. um, about this time last year was talking about that she was at a teaching hospital and doing um, one of her shots that she was on at the time, and the patient said they learned more about the medication watching her do her shot than they did in the four hours or whatever that they talked about all rheumatoid arthritis-related mm-hmm. medications. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and it's it's just so interesting and, and kind of going to your point, too, about how doctors are people, too, and it's just a very awkward conversation. Um, last year, so 2015, at Medicine X, there was a panel that discussed um, intimacy with chronic illness mm-hmm. 
and there there was kind of a wide range of people involved in the panel. So there was like a med student, a doctor who also had gone through cancer, so he kind of saw both sides, a couple of patient activist type people. And um, at one point, they opened it up for some comments from the audience. And one of my favorite people in the world, Ronnie Zeger, um, who used to be the medical head at Google mm-hmm. and um, now runs a nonprofit called Smart Patient mm-hmm. that, that kind of is all focused on giving support and helping educate um, the next kind of generation of healthcare practitioners. Um, he got up and said, you know, yeah, it's true. We're only given, you know, for, for primary care practitioners, depending on where you are educated, you're often only given a couple hours about sex. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not related to sexually transmitted infections mm-hmm. or things like that, pregnancy. Um, and he said, you know, one of the other things, though, is that we work a lot our home lives are really rough. And so maybe we don't want to ask that question about sex because that also means we have to confront that maybe we're having problems with our sex lives. Well, you know what? Good point. And this is the point where I'm like, all right. So I get opinionated occasionally. No, it's good. (laughs) And that's the point where I'm going, I'm sorry, you're at work. You're being paid for either by insurance or the government or the patient themselves to provide a service. You leave your home life and your issues outside the door. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, what, what, say your plumber comes to your house and, and is, is, um, is saying, well, you know, I, I don't want to think about my own clogged toilet, so I can't possibly help you there. I'm not even <laughs> going to bring that up. They, we'd all think that's insane, and 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 I'm not I'm not discounting the fact that yes, doctors are people, and they have their own hang-ups and biases and and issues, and they don't get nearly enough training in the bedside manner aspect mm-hmm. of being a doctor, and and that is all true. But I also think that um, your whole point is to as if you are in a helping profession, whether it's a doctor or a social worker or a physiotherapist or whatever, mm-hmm. you need to be aware of when your own issues might be affecting what you do and make mm-hmm. sure it doesn't. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think, um, you know, just kind of a thinking of another example that I know at least would hit close to home for me is if... Um, You know, I was a social worker and I came across a family where there was abuse and Mm -hmm. neglect directed to a medically complex child. Mm. Um, I would have a really hard time with that Mm -hmm. since I've been in that situation. So it would have I would have to have training Mm -hmm. to be able to kind of go, okay, maybe I'm not the best person to visit this household Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, you know, kind of, I guess, recuse myself almost to that case. And it. I think that there isn't enough of that in medicine. Well, and I think, and I think your favorite person in the world. I think they brought up a, he brought up a very good point mm-hmm. that this can definitely affect affect them. But as someone who, but if he brought up the point in terms of saying this is something that we as doctors need to be aware of, 
mm-hmm. so we can deal with it, so we can provide better care, then absolutely. Yeah. Um, like if you use it as an opportunity for growth, bonus. Mm-hmm. If you're using it as an excuse to not bring it up with your patients, eh, then you need to have a little vacation and think about what you're doing, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think at the bottom line, it's that as a society, as a world, we mm-hmm. need to talk more about sex, just yeah. in general, right? Um, yeah. We can use, what is it, Paris Hilton, like half naked on a car eating mm-hmm. a drippy hamburger <laughs> to sell oh, the I hamburger. Know. Like, but actually a healthy discussion of sexuality, we can't. Like, this, right. there's, there's been a, a change in the sex ed curriculum in Ontario, where I live, and there was mm-hmm. a lot of demonstrations against it because it actually starts very young with the age-appropriate information and mm-hmm. gradually kind of moves up and it talks about... Um, sexual orientation and uh, abuse and identifying when people where people shouldn't touch and how how, and and helping children communicate when things are wrong and and stuff like that and it's it just i think it's really good but a lot of people didn't because we'd be talking to the children about sex (laughs) and and it's just like well yeah you have and, and granted i come from um a culture where there's a lot more openness about sex mm-hmm. um, and bodies, and bodies aren't as big, and nudity isn't a big a, a deal. And and my parents have always been very open and and asking, no, they've been answering my questions rather. Um, but it's like, why would you let your children find out about sex in school, where they all get the wrong information? Mm-hmm. Why? Why not be the person who tells them? And and when I say in school, I mean from the from the peers, not from the right. teachers, right? So, I think this new sex ed curriculum is fantastic, but a lot of people were very concerned, mm-hmm. and and I think still are. But the the all the political parties seem pretty united in that this is going that that they're not going to tinker with it. So that's good. That's good. I'm I'm glad to hear that that's kind of what's been going on. Um, when I was in high school, I had to write a 30-page paper um, to get my international baccalaureate diploma, mm-hmm. which, for those of you who don't know, it's like AP, but you can go anywhere with it, so mm-hmm. it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I actually, I wrote too much. (laughs) I tried to cram too much into this paper. (laughs) Surprise. Mm -hmm. And I talked about how, um, you know, kind of this this whole juxtaposition of, okay, Paris Hilton can sell a hamburger, mostly naked, but we can't talk about sex, Mm -hmm. and we're focusing on abstinence-only education at the time. Which has been proven not to work. Exactly. Like when there's abstinence-only education, more more girls get pregnant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so let's use the data. Like instead of just this is what we prefer. Right. To, to, to like, <laughs> no, we don't want our children to know about this. We want them to never have sex until they're thirty-six. Like, and you then we want you can't let those emotions. Um, rule the approach anyway sorry i interrupted no 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 Mm -hmm. um i think it's a really great point and i 
frankly, I'm really glad that someone else is as annoyed with it as I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so bad. But um, the other thing I did in my paper, and this is why I tried to do too much, was I, I pointed out the juxtaposition between our abstinence-only education at the time and the sexual education techniques in the Netherlands, in Finland and Sweden, mm. um, and and just how how different sex and sexuality are handled um, kind of between those two areas of the world. Um, and, I mean, this was 10 years ago, but it's still... It, and it, I find it really interesting, too, because they, if you look at the data in terms of... Um, in, in terms of teen pregnancies in countries, in Scandinavia, for instance, the teen pregnancy rate is really low. Mm-hmm. They also have sex ed. In mm-hmm. the U.S., where there's a lot of focus on abstinence only and, and, and real lack of access to birth control, which also, like, you have access to birth control in, in the, in the, in Scandinavia. Mm-hmm. But it, it, teen pregnancy rates are really high. And it's just like, hmm, you have to think about this. Oh, I'm going to get so much hate mail now. <laughs> Bring it on, baby. <laughs> we'll do it together. We'll fight them off. <laughs> I, I just did, like, kung fu arms. and Actually, Oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> By the way, if you hear this weird rumbling in the background, it's my cat that's on my lap. The infamous oh, okay. Lucy is participating in the podcast. Oh, cutie! I I am upstairs, so the likelihood of anyone hearing the guinea pigs is probably low. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's also a possibility on my end too. Mm. So. <laughs> yeah, it's um, you know this this whole conversation about um, kind of the the teen pregnancy rates. They did just go down here, mm-hmm. and they were studying to try to figure out why because. Some of the abstinence-only proponents were like, "Yay, look, we did the right thing." Yeah, Mm -hmm. and they actually found it was because many places, not all, obviously, thank you, Southern United States, um, have much better access to Mm -hmm. birth control, and teens are more educated about it, Mm -hmm. and they're using it. Mm -hmm. And let's just hope nobody works for one of those companies that that say no no we're morally opposed to it so we're not going to cover it in insurance <sighs> okay my brain just exploded we we should probably talk about something else yeah anyway i i would assume that people who think that's a good idea are unlikely to listen to this podcast so maybe <laughs> the 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 flaming won't be too bad yeah i think I think for the most part we'll be preaching to the choir, I yeah. hope. You know. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> um so what are some of kind of your favorite resources around sex and sexuality with RA? Like do you have any ones you're just like bursting to share? <laughs> um well and I think this sort of is a nice Leapfrog from I know we got very focused on doctors and what they can do and what they aren't doing and I and I think 
although I did talk about the importance of doing doing things yourself, um, I want to bring that up again, that, that really don't expect anyone else to do it for you. Uh, it's your life. It's your sexuality. And I think you, you need to take ownership of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's where research comes in and resources. And <laughs> do I have any favorite resources? One of the only places on the Internet that I have ever found a discussion of different positions that you can use with arthritis is um, uh, the orthopedics department at the Washington uh, University. I will give you the link if you don't have it already. Um, and and that we can add to the show description. Um, they have a page where there are little drawings and descriptions of different uh, positions you can use if you have joint problems. And that's the only one I have found in years and years. Oh, wow. Which is something where I'm like, oh, why is this the only one? Right. And I was at um, I was at a conference a little while ago and, and where one of the things that we, that we talked about was intimacy and sexuality and I brought this up and and somebody went, the person who was giving the talk said, said okay, she, she would do some research and she sent me that page. And I'm like, is this really the only one? <laughs> Seriously, is this, is this the only one? Like, I know uh, the Arthritis Foundation has a lot of information. There's mm-hmm. all sorts of um, of websites out there. And, and I know at Health Central we have done posts on masturbation and RA, and we've done posts on, on sexuality and talked about positioning pillows. Um, mm-hmm. There are some companies that that sell like sex furniture that can be useful, mm-hmm. um, and I think finding sex shops that are disability friendly also very good. Yeah, um, and and that's sort of where I go. And then you start a chronic sex, and now I'm just a happy camper because I can just go to you <laughs> and say you have information about this, and there it is. It, um, but but there really has been. And I think until just a, a, a few years ago, we didn't mm-hmm. even talk about it online either in the community. We no. didn't talk about sex, Mm-mm. and 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 I think there there was there was one year where I started posting about it for Valentine's Day in February because you know what better time, right? And then and on, all of a sudden people started talking. And I'm not saying that I'm the one who who burst the dam there, but I was probably part part of that mm-hmm. initial. Like, let's start talking about this, and it's really nice to see people just opening up about it now. Yeah, I will have to say that that it seems like a couple of us all had kind of the same idea at the same time yep. about being so much more open about our sex lives, mm-hmm. and so it was like. I think it was, I think it was like the March after you had posted all of that, Mm -hmm. that all of a sudden it went from uh, maybe like three things to like, wow, like seven of us had written. (laughs) Yes, I noticed that. Like, I think I did the the vibrator post in 2012, and we Mm -hmm. also did a a theme on Health Central uh, with a lot of different conditions talking about intimacy and sexuality and relationships. And you're right, the, the very next year, it's like, bam! 
and it was so great to see. I know, it's so amazing. And it's just, I think, you know, on the one hand, those of us that participated in that early bit should be proud. But on the other hand, it's also like, I'm just so happy that people are talking. Yes. Well, and, and, yeah, and I don't really care why people are talking. I'm just happy they are. But, But I do think that it took... It took a fair bit of courage to be the first in that first mm-hmm. wave of people to to say, okay, I'm going to talk about sex, and that means that you know I have it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just not something you say out loud um, oh. so often, right? And and I just find that any time I share a post on that topic, people are just, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, right? And it's just, it's so nice, and which is why I think chronic sex is so important. And I'm so glad you started it because it just it meets a need that has been un unmet for forever. It's so true. And I just you know, it's one of those things where it's like I'm not making any money off of it right now, mm. but I'm also totally fine if I don't really because mm. <laughs> you know, it's it's helping people, it's starting these conversations. Eventually I wanna have some educational resources and webinars and things for like our healthcare practitioners to come and mm-hmm. see some of this information, see results from the study that I ran a couple weeks ago, like all this stuff that, you know, I think a lot of us have been working towards for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if we and, can, they, they, and you're right, it is a true pronged effort. Part right. of it is to help empower people with chronic conditions mm-hmm. to, kind of take take control of their sexuality and and the other is to tell the healthcare practitioners like this is what we're going through, these are the questions, this is the issues and please do join us in this dialogue because it's important. Exactly. Every patient you see will will want to ask these questions and are too shy to do so. Mm-hmm. And the, the, there are two people in that interaction. One of them gets paid to deal with their discomfort. <laughs> <laughs> right. One of you is employed. One of you is an employer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Essentially. And I and I think that's another thing. They they and this is completely off. Well, not completely off topic, but I think if more people, when they interact with healthcare practitioners, see themselves as an employer because they pay for it one way or another, through taxes, through insurance payments, through a direct payment. Like, what do you have higher expectations of your healthcare professional? Mm-hmm. I think I think anyone responds well to having things expected of them. Oh yeah. So it's really hard. Even like if I go for a haircut and I'm not quite sure what I want, mm-hmm. it's really hard for us to navigate. Like, mm-hmm. okay, so how much should I take off over here? I don't know. Like. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, you know what you do some thinking and some research to find out what you want, whether it's in a hairdo or from a doctor or when you go shopping for groceries. Mhm. Right? And and you know, nobody goes to the butcher and say, "You you choose." <laughs> you say, "I want that piece of meat." Exactly. Or, you know, vegetables depending on your Mm, on on yeah. your diet, but they, 
we all get picky about what we eat, so why aren't we picky about the health care we get? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Especially, you know, it, research has shown that kind of the pickier we are, a.k.a. the more engaged we are mm-hmm. in our own health care, that it winds up costing just overall less mm-hmm. to the system, to your insurance, to yourself, whatever. Yeah, like it's financially a good idea, but it also gets you better care. Yeah. Um, your disease is better treated, and you will ultimately likely feel better. Mm-hmm, so, because you, you feel more in control of your health, which makes you feel more in control of your life in general, I think. Oh, yeah, that feeling control, like the, that, that's the, sorry, I'm pimping my books again, but that, that's no. the key tenant in those books. It's like, take control, because mm-hmm. you're already, like, when you have a chronic condition, you're, you already feel out of control. And if you can take control, you may, it, it won't do anything to cure your disease, but you will feel better. Oh, yeah. I mean, for me, taking control turned into I had to switch insurance so I could switch rheumatologists so I could actually get on the FDA-approved medication for systemic juvenile arthritis. There you go. <laughs> so, and and now, I mean, the medication is working well. Awesome. I am able to do stuff that I couldn't do before. Like, last night, I unclogged the toilet by myself. Congratulations, that's awesome. I know, like, I actually, like, was so excited. <laughs> so you didn't need to call the plumber that would stand there and say, well, I don't know, I don't feel, I feel uncomfortable. <laughs> right? I did it myself, and I was like, yes. Like, I screamed so loud, I thought my husband was going to wake up. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, you know. But it's little, little things, things like that, right? And that all came because you said, no, I'm I'm, I'm going to take control. Yeah. And and there's it's so much about these kinds of illnesses that make us feel powerless. Mm-hmm. And it just bites itself in the butt, and you just feel more and more powerless. And at some point, you got to say, stop, no. This I can't control, but I control, can control this. And then you work on what you can control. And mm-hmm. eventually, like in your case, it may have a positive impact on on this thing that you couldn't control with the powers of your mind, but you controlled by getting a new rheumatologist. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. There's there's so many other benefits, you know, self-esteem wise. Mm-hmm. Um, it improves obviously how we look at ourselves, mm-hmm. which then usually improves how we treat ourselves, whether that's um, you know our our inner voices, whether, you know, it's mm. eliminating kind of those negative self-talk moments we have mm. or it's promoting more of those, I'm going to treat myself to popcorn today. Yep. <laughs> and and that all translates into our relationships with other people and directly into our sexuality and sex lives. I mean, it all is interconnected. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And, and yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. So I have three questions. Okay. That I would love to ask you. All righty. And 
I know you were excited when we were talking yesterday mm-hmm. about these three questions because they're fun. <laughs> yes, they are, and I especially <laughs> like the first one. Oh, it's the best. Yeah. Um, so far, for the answers for the first question, I've gotten the F word mm-hmm. and then kind of a dinosaur rar noise. Okay. <laughs> so the the F word one has been. Should, should, we, should we tell people what the question is? Yeah, so the question is, what is your favorite curse word or, like, curse replacement mm-hmm. word? Mm-hmm. Well, mine is, and I'm not going to modify it, so close your, close your ears if you're sensitive. <laughs> mine is the word fuck. See? Yeah, it is so wonderfully versatile yes. and emphatic, and there's nothing, like, like I do try to be polite and not use it too much. Um, especially since my sister had kids, I've gotten a lot better at not, not mm-hmm. swearing um, too much. Um, but, yes. <laughs> fuck, fuck, yeah. fuck, 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 fuck. Like, you can do so many things with that word. Right? It, it can be it, happy. It can be sad. It can be angry. Yeah. It can just be like, ugh. Yeah, <laughs> no. It can be an adjective. It could be an... Yeah, it it can do all sorts of things. It can yeah. describe something. It, yeah. It's great. It, it's it a is, great word. It is just a really good word. I love it. Mm. I love it. Um, so the second one is, what is your favorite thing to do for self-care or to pamper yourself? Um, so I generally suck at self-care. <laughs> um, but... And, and and there are some things I do to make myself feel better, but mm-hmm. the biggest, like the the place where I go to distract myself from pain and to, to just go to a different headspace is photography. It's mm-hmm. it's really healing to me to put around a neighborhood with a camera and then then disappear into editing. It's it's one of the one of the only things that can make me forget about time mm-hmm. and just lose track of where I am and then uh, the editing I usually stop only when my body is screaming because I haven't heard it I haven't heard it complain about being in pain because mm-hmm. I've been too absorbed in it and, and I love that it's great when you can find those kind of releases mm-hmm. from your everyday life mm-hmm. isn't it and um, you know, kind of like I was saying at the beginning of the show, you are an awesome photographer. Thank you. It is so fun to look at at the pictures that you take and the little bits of beauty that you find. Thank you. And it's just it makes me happy. <laughs> makes me happy too. It is like when I'm really, really stressed. If the weather's not crappy. I'll mm-hmm. grab my camera and just go out for half an hour, and then it's just, it's better than meditating. Yeah. So, it is. And, and it, it's it's about, like, this one-track mind about focusing on something that, that isn't stress-related and is about finding beauty. And mm-hmm. and doing that for half an hour is just, it just makes me happy. Mm-hmm. Or longer, sometimes longer. Yeah. <laughs> it's always good when you can do longer. Mm-hmm. 
I found. But then you come back with 8,000 photos. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've had to clear pictures off my phone several times already this year. I actually came back. I, uh, this weekend I spent time on the Toronto Islands um, for uh, to watch the, the end of summer air show. Um, oh, cool. Because you can see it for free from the islands, and the area we were in had a lot of the ragweed. So there I was with my new camera and a macro lens, taking pictures of bees in a <laughs> clump of ragweed, and I ended up with an allergic reaction, like with my tongue kind of getting weird and everything, oh, no. because I must have inhaled some pollen. <laughs> oh no! It was worth it. I got a good shot. <laughs> You know, yeah. that ragweed dude, I just... Well, you know, normally I'm just sort of like, yeah, it gets sneezy and wheezy from it, but I guess when you are mere millimeters from in in the <laughs> middle of a bush, it wasn't even a bush of ragweed, it was a field of ragweed. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it was not good. But, yeah, like I said, worth it. You know what I just learned? And and I'm just sharing this in case you did not know. The stevia extract, mm-hmm. that plant is in the ragweed family. Oh, good to know. Thank you. So, you're welcome. <laughs> I had a really weird reaction to something that had it in there. Yeah. Um, probably this time last year. I think it was like lemonade or something because mm-hmm. I love lemonade. Oh, yes. The best. And I had just done allergy tests and found out I was allergic to ragweed, which I kind of already knew. Yeah. But then I looked it up because I was like, why is this giving me a headache? Why do I feel gross? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, all Good right. Good to know. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But that's important. There's like, there's so many, there's so many things you don't know. Like once I started getting all these serious allergies, I found out that so much has cross allergies. Mm. Because I'm allergic to kiwi, I can't eat melon. Oh, no. It also makes me allergic to latex. Like, they're all related. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Like, who knew? Well, I figured it out after eating melon. Well, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, but, uh, yeah, and, no, sorry, latex, that's cross-allergy with pineapple. Oh. Uh-huh. Oh. I don't know. know that. I know. And and some people who are allergic to latex can't do pineapple at all. I can do canned like pineapple juice and, and canned pineapple because it's undergone that, that whole, like it's boiled to above 100 degrees, which, which kills some of the allergens. Right. But other people can't do can't do pineapple at, at all. Oh, my gosh. That makes so much sense, though. Mm-hmm. Um, like I have some melon issues, but I can do like like canned melons and mm-hmm. things like that. And it, it must be for kind of similar mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, I had an allergist tell me that once when I was, you know, complaining, I can't eat this, I can't eat that. And he said, okay, I tried the canned version because you may be able to tolerate that better. And that does work with some of my allergies. This is so good to know. Oh, my mm. gosh. <laughs> Chronic sex and allergies all yeah. in one fell swoop. We'll talk about vibrators and food. And <laughs> yeah. It's all about appetites. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so last question is... Okay, I'll try not to get sidetracked. <laughs> it's okay. I do it all the time. Mm. What is your favorite thing about 
yourself, Miss Lena? <sighs> this is hard. I come from Denmark. I live in Canada. That means I have a double whammy of kind of self-effacing reticence. <laughs> it's not an easy question. No. I'm a good friend. You are a good friend. Oh, thank you. I, I would like to be better. I don't have the energy to be as good of a friend as I would like to be mm-hmm. um, because I only have so much energy, but I think I'm a pretty decent friend. You are, and it's. I think it's hard, you know, as you were talking about with the energy. I have probably my one of my best friends um, who was the maid of honor at my wedding we always aim to have like FaceTime calls mm-hmm. once a month. And I usually end up being like, ah, <laughs> so surprised. Guess who's feeling like crap today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we end up having to rain check and then we don't do it. Mm-hmm. And um, I finally was able to have, I think it was the third time we FaceTimed in a year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the other night. And it was just, so nice to be able to have that energy to give her and to like hold that yes. space for her. Well, um, and, and you know, if I may say, I think I would suggest that even if you feel like crap, have a short face time. Yeah. Because like one of my really dear friends and I have both been working entirely too much, and and we've been planning dinner that has been. Postponed and postponed and postponed for about, for about two years. Yeah. <laughs> and when I woke up in the ICU with a trach, with it with a with a trach, and things had been very severe, um, like she came to visit me and she basically said, "So, you know what? You don't have to do this to make me come see you." <laughs> Um, but we also sort of kind of we, we kind of looked at each other and said, "You know what?" No more postponements. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's it's time we stop because there are certain things like work is important, mm-hmm. but and and taking care of yourself is absolutely important, and I support that. But talking to your friends is also self care. It is. It is, especially um, you know if you're dealing with a situation that they know very well or even a situation that they don't know about at all and they can kind of be your third party objective (laughs) person to talk to you know and you don't have and and the great things about a really good friend is that you don't have to be your best Mm -hmm. to to hang with them that's true you know and it's and it'll feel make you feel better like you still feel like crap physically yeah, <laughs> but you'll feel better emotionally, and that's a big part of coping. And so much about being having a chronic illness is leads to isolation, mm-hmm. and I and I think it, and it can be really hard to fight against that isolation. But because when you're tired, who has the energy to make that phone call? Yeah. But and, and and I'm and I'm certainly one of them because like there's certain times where it's just like no I can't I have nothing I can't talk to somebody right now 
Mm-hmm. But I, after I got home from the hospital, I tried to spend more time with friends and get together. And I, even if I feel like crap, I'm like, well, they've known me for years. Whatever. Yeah. And then, like, what's really important, too, is learn to say, okay, I'm tired now. Go away. Yeah. And, even, and mm-hmm. if that's, you know, 10 minutes in, half an hour in, whatever, that's fine. But there are certain good friends you can do that with. They get it. That's true. And and this friend of mine would be one. She um mm-hmm. she has had thyroid issues forever mm-hmm. and they finally just diagnosed her with Hashimoto's. Oh, okay. And so, you know, she's she knows it's, the it's energy probably, issue. Yes, she does. Yeah. <laughs> Very well. <laughs> and and I think that's why um we are still good friends after knowing each other for mm-hmm. oh, gross, like 12 years. Mhm. Nope. 10 years. So gross. <laughs> hey, you know what? My my oldest friend in the world, we met when we were seven, which means we have known each other for 47 years now. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, I had, oh that's terrible. <laughs> I'm so old. Um, that is actually really cool, though. It is. It really is. And, and we're still best friends. So. Do you guys get to talk often or interact? Yeah, uh, she actually, she's in a lucky position that she can travel a fair bit, so she comes over to visit um, every two to four years, which is awesome. And we try to talk um, or Skype one, about once a month. And Good. Sorry, the cat wants down. Hello, Lucy, say hello. No? <laughs> Okay. <laughs> All right. So again, sidetrack. <laughs> good. Good. Um, I think you are a really good friend, and I, um, you know, from from the standpoint of also being your friend, I I've always appreciated how supportive you are of other people's projects, other people's ideas, and just really helping to amplify other voices or add to those voices to create better discussion and it's just it's just cool you're cool thank you but i think we're all in this together it's true i think a a diverse community with many voices is always going to be better than you know one person talking yes (laughs) very much so despite the fact that i talk a lot (laughs) this was awesome well i i loved having you and i so appreciate you yeah likewise and i can't wait for everybody else to hear the bright sunshiny voice that you are the bright um, the bright sunshiny froggy voice (laughs) You know, yeah, asthma. Well, yeah. asthma, biologics, <laughs> vocal cords. You know, all those things, stuff like that. <laughs> all right, that was wonderful. Thank you so much for this, and thank you for thank all the work you do. You're just, you just rock. One of my favorite people. Oh, ditto, mm. ditto, ditto, ditto. And now that we've done this mutual admiration society, we should probably stop before people start getting <laughs> nauseous. People are like, wait, they've been really open about talking about vibrators. Yeah. Now they're just 
talking about how much they love each other. And what's going on? Oh, that's going to be rumors. This is going to be awesome. Oh, my God. Lena's so much fun to talk to. I just can't. I can't. She's so much fun. I really enjoyed actually being able to meet her over the summer um, last year when I was invited to Toronto on behalf of Self Care Catalyst um, for their kind of little, it was like an evening conference that they held. And it was really cool to be able to see her and to be able to listen to Mrs. Margaret Trudeau, uh, Justin Trudeau's mom, talk about her battle with bipolar disorder. It was just fantastic. And what what a perfect place for Lena and I to be able to finally meet in in that section of where everything and illness and disability and self-care come together. I think it was really a, a poignant space for us to be able to meet in. Um, if you listened to the beginning of this episode, and I hope you do... Um, I did mention that this episode and the next couple were recorded back in August slash September of 2016, and I just had not been well enough to mix, edit, and and get them up and going. Um, So make sure that as you listen to the next couple that I put up, you keep that in mind, and I will make sure to remind everybody at the beginning of the next episodes as well. If you would like to be on the podcast or would like to write a guest post for the website or anything else, I would love to have you. Um, If you go to our website, chroniccex.org, you can find how to contact me there. Otherwise, my email is Kirsten, K-I-R-S-T-E-N, at chroniccex.org, and I will be looking forward to hearing from you. Until next time, uh, take care of you, and we'll see you then.